Welcome back to another episode of the Ballistic Strength Radio Podcast. On this episode, I get in-depth with Canadian Kettlebell Alliance representative and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Misty Shearer. Some know Misty as a former Canadian military police officer and tough-as-nails martial artist, whereas others know Misty simply as a no-BS, pull-no-punches physical trainer and kettlebell sport coach out of Edmonton, Alberta. Regardless, Misty Shearer is one of the most recognizable names in Canadian kettlebell sport, as well as one of its most decorated athletes. Thanks for joining me on the show. Um, this has really been a long time coming, I think, because um, I, it's it's always a treat for me to have such experienced uh, people and lifters on the show, and it's actually been quite a while since my last episode, so um, thank you for uh, for coming on. Well, thank you for doing this. It's um, I think every little bit helps if everyone can do something. If it's websites or blogs, especially Canadian, it, I think it just puts more out there and gets it out there that we do have these little pockets of uh, lifters all over Canada. You know, Catherine wrote an article for one of the blogs that we had, just something to get that, you know, that we're, we're doing it. And there's a lot of really good lifters in Canada. Absolutely. Uh, and you even for the kettlebell sport, uh, uh, the Canadian kettlebell sport union, I guess it is, you, you, you kind of do... Uh, well, you do you do interviews and you have the microphone set up and you have all that stuff. I remember seeing it at uh, the Las Vegas uh, oh, yeah. competition, <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. Is that something that you do normally? No, that was a that I would the first time was Vegas. Unfortunately, this I had so many more interviews, but my mic broke to the connection to my camera, and then we had to use another one. I do have two more left, but the sound in that place was deafening. So half the time I was screaming into the mic. The mic didn't work on half the interview, so that really you know, upset me. I wanted to do it again, so I think at the big ones I'll bring all my gear, but sometimes it's hard because I want to lift, and I'm, you know, when I'm, I'm getting psyched up, we got a lot of lifters, I'm chalking bells, and then i got to run around chasing people with a camera. So I wish I would have done it at the West Coast Classic. Um, I don't think I did. I did some other footage for I did other things out there, but I do want to do eventually keep interviewing people because you know, I ask them the most mundane, weird question. And uh, it kind of throws them off, and they, and they think it's kind of funny, too. But I wanted people to know all these great lifters. There's so many of them. It's, you know, there's, you know, we got the Melissas, and we got the Surias, and the Jens at Ice Chamber. Then there's Charlie. But I wanna, I'd love to hit uh, a few others out there because there's these little pockets of these really great lifters in these little small towns. You know, you got Jenna Bryan. You got Terry Stabler. You got the ones from Florida. Eventually, I'm going to hit them all and, and do my style of interviewing. Well, I think it's uh, when you do the interviews, it's great how you how you do ask those little uh, uh, random questions because it, it brings out you know the humanity in the lifters and it, and it allows you to get to know them a bit better. It's almost like a reality t- reality TV show. Yeah, and I want to do that because I want people to know that these people they all have jobs, they all have kids, and they're still doing some great things for themselves. That's why I think I love kettlebell sports so much. Anyone can do it. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a professional athlete or you're an athlete or even if you're not an athlete, what it's done, what I've seen since 2010 is incredible of the amount of lifters from men to women. And uh, I just want that to show that anyone can do it. You, 
you get a you get someone you get the bells first you get someone that knows what they're doing and then you just start plugging away at it and uh, meeting a lot of great people at a lot of great competitions agreed yeah it, that's one of our favorite things to do is is head out to the competitions just even for the sake of meeting new people because yeah it is a really kind of small uh uh community that um i mean once you go to one or two of the kettlebell competitions um whether you're in the US or Canada, you, you really get to know, uh, you know, just about the majority of the lifters around here. So, yeah, the, the competitions are, they're getting so much, um, they're so different. Like there's, there's lots of different competitions. There's the big, the, um, the, the, the I, I think um, Linda really set the standard in that West Coast Classic the first year she ran it because Linda's a perfectionist and she does it amazing. She had, you know, lots of, we never went out to the first one in Victoria. We went out to the third one, I believe. And it was just amazing. And then Stephen, we were the first one at the West Coast Classic when he first ran it. And they copied it. And it was fantastic. They had, a, you know, the step and repeat, the music. And it was just a different style of competition. They had set that standard so high. People have trouble living up to it because it's so amazing. I think so, so yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing copy. And then you get... You know, the, um, all the small pocket comps, the AKAs doing all over the states. Then the big one in Vegas, unfortunately, it was very distracting because of the event it was in of uh, how it was done. But we did the one in uh, New York also. It was a fantastic event um, at that uh, Reebok Health Center in, right in Manhattan. And is that U.S. Nationals, the one they hold in yeah, New York? Yeah, we did the first Nationals in New York. We went, we went down as Canadians. Um, and we could have went with the U.S. team, but most of us, most all of us chose not to. Even Charlie, he did not go. Yeah, it was for um, it was for Russia. Um, we all none of the Canadians went, but the pockets went for the next one. They had the we competed at a small couple events, and that's when the four went from Canada last year in uh, Germany. Yeah, and they all did really, really, really well in Germany. Yeah, considering a team of four, Charlie's the only male professional lifter in the U.S. or Canada to place, you know, third. Um, who else? Uh, Linda placed in the, am the amateur and Jean placed in the um, veterans. And then their young girl did amazing. Uh, uh, Linda's young lifter did amazing. T so, yeah. So you're like, who the heck are these four Canadians? To place to do well, especially Charlie's, you know, professional level at 32. Oh, that's yeah. that's something else. So this year, oh man, we got some vet, we got some amateur guys doing 24s. One of my guys, his numbers are going to be incredible. So I'm really hoping that he's going to be like Will. Will placed at the amateur level with biathlon, I believe, for the states. But uh, my guy is doing phenomenal. His numbers are great for long cycle. Mm -hmm. And and uh, we can expect to see him come July. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, my, I got three men lifting the twenty fours in July, which is I think Stephen is jealous sometimes because <laughs> I've got these guys that are lifting the twenty fours, um, and but one of them is going to Ireland. Well, wants to go to Ireland as oh. an amateur. Good, good. Yeah. I, well, I think uh, that you're just you're balancing it out between the the east and west there with Stephen's crew. Yeah. So. For the sake of the podcast, we are still going to – we'll kind of stick to kind of like a schedule. I mean I have a few questions I want to ask. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think what maybe a lot of people might like to know is 
uh, how long you, Misty, have been uh, participating in kettlebell sport, and uh, maybe you can give us an idea of what that journey was like and, and how, you're, uh, how it's materialized into what it is today. It was by fluke. Honestly, I took a, you know, everyone takes, there isn't a lot of certifications in Canada because I think we're so spread out. Um, I took a kettlebell course from Sean Mosen, Agatsu, got me the basics. He talked about sport. He was like, oh, it's really boring and because it is, it is kind of boring, I guess, 10 minutes. And, but he brought, when he was at the course, he has shipped in a whole bunch of kettlebells. He has some pro-grade bells instead of the old Dragon Door style. He had these pro-grade and I bought, I bought a 35 pound, I bought a 16 kilo, way too heavy for me. And I started playing with it. And so this would have been 2009 um, in, that, in that area, close to the 2010. And what happened was I'm, Brazilian jiu- I, I'm a black belt, first degree Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I needed something that I could do that I could um, be fast cardio and strength that I wouldn't take away times on the mats. So kettlebells was fast and efficient. I started getting into sport. I don't know why or how. I started getting into it, but then I don't know what I'm doing. So I had to find an online coach. Because I, I thought I, I knew how to jerk. I'm like, yeah, I, know, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I sucked, right? So I, I came across Scott Shetler. And uh, he is a big, he was WKC at the time with uh, Valari. That the organization was still quite new. They were running Worlds, um, I think, 08, 09. And he basically on video, dart fish, and you would be able to, you know, you have to have the lines, you have to do the jerk. It took me... I always get jealous. It took me six months to get the jerk. I couldn't get it on your own watching video to understand that double dip. It's yeah, it's really tricky when you first learn. And it's something that you only develop through time. And just like everything else, it gets better over time. Jump squats. I did so many of those. And then finally it clicked. So I worked with Scott for, for, for quite a while, actually, I think about six or seven months, somewhere around there. And then I was getting ready to do my first, I, I flew to Toronto, Charlie was on that course, so me and Charlie have been at it since the beginning, um, we flew to Toronto to uh, Valari and Catherine Iams. He was at the Toronto Kettlebell Club, they were running a, a, a cert and then a, um, a strength sp- uh, um, cert. So I was, I was just, you know, the coaching, and Scott's an amazing coach, but sometimes you got to find the right coach for you. So I contacted Catherine. And I, she became my coach. And through that, I, I trained in, um, and I did my 2010 Worlds. I trained seven months with Catherine. Catherine brought me to the, my, my first Master of Sport in 2010. I competed against, I met the Ice Chamber girls. I competed against Jen Cord in the 2010 um, in front of my coach, and Valari, at, in Chicago at the Worlds. And that was my first Master of Sport. The numbers were very different. Remember, it's gone through three or four evolutions of changes um the wkc went through three rank changes in one year from the 16 was a master sport to the 20 to the 24 and then the aka didn't exist it was kind of the wkc was the powerhouse Mm -hmm. and that's where all of the lifters where you got duffy you've got all of the ice chamber i mean everybody wkc was the the mecca like the aka is now that's where i remember all the content coming from and it, and, and it had some amazing competition. Valari, it wasn't for him. We wouldn't be doing one-arm long cycle. He did some amazing things for the sport and really started to draw it in, make it available, make the bells available. But then things kind of got weird a couple years. Um, 
the, the direction that they went in was really um, not the same as everybody else in, out there. The, the direction really changed. So with that, I kind of, I just wanted to lift. I just loved lifting. I love the long cycle. I love what it does for me. It's fast. It's, it's furious. And it does the job. And it gives me something to do, I guess, in my off-season for jiu-jitsu. But I started to develop a love for it, and I started to develop a following. People are like, hey, what are you doing? And they started lifting, and they started feeling good. So it's kind of like this thing that's been, it's, it's not going downhill, it's going uphill avalanche, right? Everyone's really getting into it. They, you know, people that never thought they could lift are lifting at a high level. Um, that's what I think surprises me the most is, is um, seeing people jump into it for the first time. And, you know, a few months down the road, they're like, they're, they're really getting into it and really kind of starting to figure it out and they're really starting to push their boundaries. Yeah, and the thing is now because now there's stuff out there. When we first started, there's nothing. There's nothing out there. There's no courses. You had to go to Russia. Um, if you're lucky, you can get something with uh, Catherine and Blair because they were the only ones doing anything. Um, there were some small pockets. Unless you lived in the right city, you weren't. no one knew nothing. YouTube wasn't quite as strong as it is now. It, it's really evolved, and now the information's out there. There's a ton of online coaches out there. There's a ton of more people that are um, trained out there. And now, so now it's spreading with, I think, the online people from these weird small uh, pockets can, can train and do really well um, through online training. Um, it, it's good if you can get an in-person coach, especially for some of the technique work. I find snatch is the worst without online um without in-person coaching snatch is extremely hard at a higher like with for women that 24 kilo without having a hands-on coach (laughs) it is way very very technical Mm -hmm. i think online can take you to a very to a certain level um unless it's an amazing like someone that has a great support and, and the great um equipment that they need and 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 get some experience it it won't take you to the master um, online. Sometimes you got to be able to travel and take a course here and there to get those final tips. Um, in that technique, it's all based on technique. Those mm-hmm. those weights is all technique. And I'm sure you find those 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 kind of outliers where it just kind of comes naturally to people, and without a whole lot of coaching, they just kind of zoom right up to the top, and it's like yeah. you can't even believe it. Yeah. For- Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was like, you know, you're completely right, but it's only going to take you. You know, that, that talent's only going to take you so – that 32 for men is an eye-opener and the 24 snatch for women is a massive eye-opener. Yeah. And it's not for 24 because of the speed at that master before because before, I think it was like 85 or 90 reps uh, for women. Uh, and now it's like in the hundreds. Like for, for the 68 plus, it's 104 plus. Man, you are moving and that bell, there's no mercy, right? Like the 32s. I don't know if you've ever played with 32s. There's no mercy in that bell. No, I've got a couple of 28s that um, that when I'm being diligent with my training, I uh, I get into using. But uh, yeah, 32s is a beast that I have not uh, not come close to taming or even come close to you know playing around with that much. Yeah, but yeah, just kind of it kind of evolved. It was by luck and. Some courses that I'd taken, I'd taken a ton of workshops. Ice Chamber was running workshops with Valari once, Catherine, and then Denisov came. He's been one or two, oh, one, and then Anton came, and they piggybacked a competition last, last year. 
So getting these hands-on coaches in these uh, piggybacked with a competition and a small like six-hour workshop, four-hour workshop has really, I think, started changing, you know, changing the direction of things. And we're behind the states, but we're catching up because mm-hmm. we're starting to see um, the men. So Charlie, because we started at the beginning, me and Charlie, we were, we've been always at the same courses, same competitions. We started at the beginning. So you can see where we are. So the people are just underneath and we're, people are catching up. You know, your, your, your group, um, Victoria, Linda's been around since the beginning, Vancouver, and these small little pockets are catching up really fast. So I think we're about a couple of years behind, but not many. Not like how we are behind the Russians. They're, their 24 numbers are insane, right? Or the 32 numbers are well, insane. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just gym class for them. Yeah, exactly. There's a full-time job. But we're catching up. The technique is getting there. And all of a sudden, now you're starting to see a little bit more. The rankings are in the – what the men do in the 24s. Um, they're going to move up to 28 soon. And I, I think we're going to have uh, – when the women, especially the 24 snatch, Catherine hitting the, over 100 uh, at that um, competition in Vancouver – it's we have a what's gonna we we have a little you know secret that's or not secret but we have a we're gonna have two women lifting professional I'm not one of them I can't put the time in the 24 this year um, but we have Renee lifting a 24 I'm really excited to what's gonna happen to have two women professional at two different weight classes at Canada in July oh it's gonna be incredible Absolutely yeah incre- there's nothing that. You know, I get. I always get Catherine's updates on uh, Facebook about for her training, which is amazing in and of itself. Because, I mean, I I actually I I come from I guess mainly just a a, a very bro bodybuilding background, and so that tends to really um, overtake a lot of my training. And so I do a lot of that stuff, and I'm not so diligent with the kettlebell stuff uh, the majority of the time, which is kind of sad. Um, but so whenever I see Catherine's uh, updates on her training and her videos, it's just it's really inspiring and really impressive because not only is she training on such a consistent basis, which um, arguably is is one of the most important things, but uh, the numbers she's putting up just in her training alone is mind blowing. Yeah, she uh, she was jammed for, in, which is happening to a lot of the the women lifters in the states right now. Jammed at that 85 to 95 number. Uh, to break 100 is an outstanding thing. It's like, it's like the 120 number in long cycle. Like it was unheard of. It would never happen for a long cycler woman in 2010 when we did the 24. Most of the time it was based on eight reps a minute. It, we would have said it will never happen. A woman will never get over 120 reps on the, on the 24. It'll never happen. And now, you know, four years later... It's, it's starting to happen. We're starting all to crest it, you know, and, and now the next number is 130. That's kind of the target. And I was like, it's not going to happen. So it's like that with the snatch for the women. Um, I think Catherine's the fourth American to hit over 100, a fourth North American to hit over 100. 115, whoa, she just blew it out of the water. So if you think of the standard, which is you got to base the ice chamber girls are the original. They were with all the first master of sports. They're all the ones that have done the numbers first. The first MSs, the first CMSs, and with the 24s, not with the, the smaller, the 20. You know, we know we have 20 kilo master of sports in some organization, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the true one's that 24. And now that Catherine's hit that, she has five numbers off the master of sport. 
So five reps. So it's going to start happening in next year, this, the end of this year and next year. I think we're going to have some really amazing for women breakthroughs for them. And um, so it's, it's very exciting. Absolutely. It's, it's, it seems like it's all happened so fast too. Um, but now uh, what I'd like to uh, get some more information on is, so you, you talked to us a bit about, you know, how you came into kettlebells and, uh, and that development there. But so were you, did you have the foundry before uh, you were really thick into kettlebells or did that come after? I was a full-time paramedic in Edmonton, tactical paramedic, and everything fell into, I never thought I would, I came from the military background. I started doing stuff on the side um, and things just kind of happened. It's the weirdest, my life is like that. Things are happening. Um, you know, it's a great, paramedic's a great job, very respectable, but it's very hard, like it's very hard mentally sometimes and a lot of things go on. And the foundry was, my friends started asking me to, you know, to train them. They liked what I, how I train. So I train people how I want to train. So people were liking that and it was different. And in my, my way I do things are very different. And then I got the opportunity when I met Mike, um, things just started to fall into that place. Mostly it was jujitsu was my main, my main focus. Kettlebells was on the side because it was so small and the foundry evolved three and a half years ago. And well, no, we're four, I guess now. Um, it's just, it just kind of happened. It fe- everything fell into place. The foundry was created. We, I think we had three people doing kettlebell sport. And now I think I have 12 lifters lifting at nationals. So and then we have a lot of, a little bit more recreational lifters, but we have, you know, people that are lifting and doing really well. And that have, we have a group of seven that compete regularly on, like we go to San Francisco, Victoria, New York. We have a pocket that goes to all different places that'll train with us. Yeah, your team you know, is 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 quite impressive and diverse, and and it's great to see such a large uh, team coming out of uh, you know a Canadian city. Yeah, it's it's a flu- seriously. I don't know how it happened. It's just a fluke. Some days I wonder. I think because we believe. I never. I never. If anyone ever came up to me and said, "I want to lift," and I'm like, "Well, what's your goals?" Um, and they're like, "Well, what's that?" I'm like. You know, what, what would you like to do? <laughs> you know, and it becomes, it's not weight loss. I don't, I really don't want those. I want people that want to be inspired, that to drive themselves to the gym and to do something different so they can say, what did you do last weekend? I was in New York. I was lifting some kettleballs. You know, that's how they always say, kettleballs. Yeah. yeah. Right? And they're like, oh, that's cool. And it doesn't matter if my lifter's 51 or if they're 25. We have such a, you know, we have Fraz at 111 pounds and we got big, monsters jet at like 220 or something like that it doesn't matter who you are all right i got you back right. connection was a little choppy there okay um i was gonna say something now oh now i remember um yeah i i can't remember where i heard this but um back in the old days we used to go to uh, the gym to train for like a skill and the byproduct of that was you would get a workout. Whereas these days we just go to the gym to work out. Yeah. And it's such a big difference between, you know, what you normally see in the gym and what, you know, we do as athletes, uh, with kettlebells. Uh, so are, do you have any, are there any of your clients or team members who have had like, almost like an impromptu weight loss journey just via, you know, learning how to use kettlebells? 
Yes, it, it's it, a lot of them started. I had um, Kim, who I always I've been training with three years. She couldn't roll five hundred meters. Forty seven years old doesn't do anything. You know, like you know, a normal forty seven year old business, like a successful businesswoman, no time for herself. Starts working out, wants to work out to get in shape. Just wants to feel better. And then I put this little whisper in her ear. Hey, you want to lift in New York? There's a 12-kilo belt competition. I don't put everybody into sport right away. I, you know, they play with kettlebells usually what it is for fitness. And that's how I think the majority of, I think all of my lifters did it but for fitness. It, was, it had nothing to do with sport. But I taught so many sport fundamentals. When they started getting good, I'm like, I put that bug in there. I'm like, hey, how about you uh, want to try doing sport? They're like, oh, no, I can never do that. I'm like, well, let's just try it with a, an 8K bell, 10 minutes. You know, we start playing, we start adding more and more. So I was training a lot of, because I did a lot of personal training and I did a lot of boot camps and stuff at the beginning. I started training them borderline sport techniques. I would do minute here, minute there, switching, alternating two minutes. And all of a sudden they started believing, they're like, hey, I can actually do this. And then you put the bug in there about competition, like, hey, you want to go to Las Vegas? Yeah, I love to shop. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, I'm like 10 minutes of your day, go live for 10 minutes, maybe win a medal, have some fun, and then let's go shopping. So I think that's how we started convincing a lot of the women. And then the men just kind of, we have, I think for men, it's really tough. It's a huge ego killer because I get a lot of guys that are like, oh, I can totally do that. They're like, oh, that doesn't look that hard. They do like even the double 16s for like four minutes and they're like, they never, never see them again. And you know what it's like. The, the double 16s are, you know, they're, they're tough when you've never done it before. That, that was, those were my first bells at like my first competition, which, you know, I probably should have been starting with something lighter. But I, <laughs> I, I have some video of that first competition that was in Toronto at uh, the first uh, inaugural Agatsu one. Yeah. And, and it, form was terrible. Technique wasn't there at all. No wonder why it was so hard. Yeah. So I think a lot of times I don't usually get people that are direct, I guess, direct entry into sport. It's very rare. They may have a weightlifting background and just want to try another sport. Most of it ventures off. They play with kettlebells. They try it. They're intrigued. And then I start, then I start putting the seed into their ear. And I, let, and I basically tell them it's possible. And they're like, hmm, but they need to believe it's possible. And uh, I think that's how we start getting people uh, connected to it and they start getting, they can keep pushing themselves. Okay, let's, I'm going to do another minute and then I'm going to do another minute. And then eventually when they do 10 minutes, they're like, they put the bells down and they go, they just did that. And I go, let's do the math now. How much, let's see how much you lifted in 10 minutes. And they're like, holy crap, I can do it. So I think it's all about believing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm like, believe. Oh, always, always. Yeah. Yeah. And then once the technique gets done, once their technique gets better and they can start lifting those big weights it's an incredible, it's like you, you take a year to conquer those 16s and you're like, oh my God, it's the worst thing I've ever done. This is horrible. <laughs> I can't believe this. You conquer 10 minutes and then you start dabbling into the 20s and you go through that same fears and uh, frustration and you go through that and you do that with the 20s and then you laugh. You're like, I used to think about that with the 16s. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing journey because you're t- as your technique gets better, you can start doing more things that you thought you never could, lifting the, those heavier weights. Oh, my God, I can't believe I just you know, jerked a 24 when I couldn't even jerk a 16 a year ago. So I think that might, when you can get hooked, 
then you guys, then you got guys, you know, for doing it until they're for life because they love it so much. Yeah. Well, you really got to get that ball rolling. Yeah. No, and, and I agree, but we little bits at a time. <laughs> um, maybe you can uh, give a quick rundown of the programs that you offer at the Foundry. Um, the Foundry, yeah, I don't do. I just do kettlebell sport myself and Renee coach. Um, because of my jujitsu, sometimes pulls me away. Um, but I'm always in, I'm always there. So we do kettlebell sport. We do that quite a few now, times a week now. And then we have a GPP, so general physical preparation. So it's a circuit training that involves kettlebell sport because I find circuits boring. But when you add a jerk aspect or a snatch, I'm totally in it. But if it's just like uh, do this, I'm like, I don't want to do it. So Renee does the GPP. And then on Saturdays, we have our bigger sport class, which is most of the time during the week, it's they follow the programming and I, we tweak them. But on Saturdays, we'll spend more time about technique and do little like workshops, little bits at a time, right? You can't hit someone with 10 things to fix. We only hit them with maybe two. Mm-hmm. Once they conquer that, they move to the next thing to fix. That's how my coach Igor taught me for over a year. He would only pick a little thing until I got it, and then I could move forward with the next piece of that, that massive puzzle. And then Mike and Tony do basic um, boot camps. They do... Uh, stretching, and then they do the the regular boot camps that involve strength training and cardio and, and a little bit rest days. And they and it's all with kettlebells, either the pro line bells or the, the you know the I call them the dragon door, you know dragon door style yeah. cast iron bells. So that's you know so it's a little bit of everything, but it's always got a kettlebell involved with it. <laughs> it has to. I love kettlebells, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, that that's how I got my start too. I, I was going to a local gym that incorporated kettlebells and a lot of other styles of uh what what we might call functional training into uh just circuits and i'm like you know what are these things oh snatch oh this is kind of cool and and so yeah it was kind of a natural development um let's move on into uh the cka uh the canadian kettlebell association or alliance alliance sorry and to call it that too (laughs) uh nobody's perfect um (laughs) And uh, so we've got nationals coming up in July. What's the exact date? July 18th. July 18th. And this will be where? In Edmonton. Because we, we thought, we talked to a lot of people in, in, that, that were involved. And the summer seemed like the best time because they make a vacation out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we picked July because it, it's a beautiful time to come to Edmonton because of the, the, the K-Days that goes on to that big fair. And... Uh, um, the taste of Edmonton and just how beautiful the city is in July. So we thought that was like the best time to hit it. And plus, I guess Journey's playing that night on the 18th. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're going to do the competition, go to Journey, I guess. I don't know. Will we be able to hear them from the competition? Well, unfortunately, not where we are. We're down in the south a little bit. So uh. I don't know where they're playing, but Journey's in Edmonton that night. So I, I don't know. But we picked July because it was a good time of the year for how – a lot of people wanted to bring their families. So we have, we have some families coming up and, and, and making it a big trip because Edmonton does have a lot to offer at that time of the year. Uh, for those uh, kettlebell listeners who have only been to like a couple of small, smaller competitions, uh, maybe even not ones organized by the Canadian Kettlebell Alliance or even, even the American Kettlebell Alliance, what can they expect from nationals? What... what What's the impression going to be in and what's, how are you guys, what's going to be different about this competition than the smaller ones, aside uh, from the obvious? The, the smaller ones, like we're going to have three platforms. We're set for three platforms. I got in some timers 
Um, so we've got the official timers. That was the last piece of the puzzle, the timers and counters. I got them from the Ukraine shipped in. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like a run like how uh, Stephen and um, uh, Linda have run them. We run them to a – I am on a military machine. When I say you're going to be lifting at 10, 10, it's pretty choice. Within five minutes, you're going to be lifting. So it's going to be very similar run like that. We're going to have time set up. Um, it's going to be the judges are doing pre-clinics. There's a lot of issues with, I think, with the judging right now um, because there is different organizations. So we're waiting to find the final ruling on the, the rules because we want to make sure. I don't want anyone to come up and get no counts for the entire lift. I would be horrified at that for me as that I failed somewhere. So I want to make sure that I keep in contact with all the lifters so we have a standard. And, you know, someone lifting a first time is not going to be held to the same standard I would be or Charlie would be or Renee would be or Catherine would be. We get that. But we still want to make sure it's still as good as we can get with the newer lifters. It's a very welcoming. We're going to have music. Um, it's not egos. We're always, we'll be laughing, talking, you know, meeting everybody, supporting. If you come by yourself, if you need somebody, we'll be there for you. We'll I'll give you somebody to either if um, I'll get a coach for you. We'll have someone to help you chalk the bell. It's like um, it's like a, a get together of a huge group of people that want to do their best. Because yes, sometimes I may have someone to compete against, but I truly have to compete against myself. And egos and that kind of crap has no place for it. And that's how we all like always wanted to do. We always support that when we go to competitions, and then our competitions are like that friendly. And for you to just do your best that day. And, that, and that's what I want. The, the newer lifters, we do have some new people coming. I've never heard of their names. I'm really excited about them coming in and competing for the first time. And we're going to help them the best that we can to do their best. From, like I said, from chalking to coaching, we'll make those arrangements if they're brand new to the sport. To make them feel comfortable and welcome. Because we want to promote the sport. That's, that's good to hear. That's what we like to hear. Um, and now... This competition uh, specifically is a qualifier as well, is it not? Yeah, it's the only qualifier. So originally it was going to be two qualifiers, but Linda had to um, – she decided this year to take a break from her West Coast. Not, she was the Victoria Kettlebell Classic. Mm-hmm. She t- decided to take a break, and I, she works hard, that woman. So when, we, when it started to evolve, <laughs> it started to evolve very quickly, we became the only qualifier. So if anyone wants to go to Dublin, either amateur or professional, they have to compete at our competition. If, and next year it will be in Victoria. And then we'll be running a small competition, the Oil City Classic. We'll go to that to get people to get experience and to get time under the belt. But Linda's will be the qualifier for, ne- for the next year's um, IUKL championships, wherever it may be. I'm, I think they're trying to make it in the States next year, in 2016. Right, right. Uh, is, so now that we have... Um, this year's qualifiers happening, and we're we're getting some new people into the sport, and and uh, we're trying to grow the the Canadian uh, team. Um, is there a big push for the rest of the the year and next year to really try and get as many competitions going as possible to really um, recruit more people? Yes, that's the, that's Yuri. When we talked to Yuri, because we work very closely with Yuri, um, he's the charge of the AKA. He helps us, guides us, and he's kind of, now that Canada's really becoming its own, me and Linda 
we just, we talk to him, we talk to each other, you know, just about ideas, but we're kind of left on our own devices. We don't really need to follow strict rules like, oh, you have to do this. And, but with that, with Canada being so spread out, we want to, me and Linda are going to be running next year in 2016. There'll be two competitions, AKA oil city will be an AKA event, but it won't be the qualifier but hers will be the qualifier. So we're going to have two events. Now, Ontario does have a competition. It's Niagara Falls. Um, I think they're following the AKA rules, but it's not a qualifier. So the East has a Gatsu in Toronto. It has the one in June, then Niagara Falls open in June. I don't know how further East. There's a big Halifax club out there. I don't. I think they're OKC, so they're going to be doing a competition still, but different... Um, rank tables and different judging standards and that's okay there's nothing wrong with diversity um so i think there'll be so there's three this year hopefully next year there'll be four um but again it's always you gotta you know you gotta save up and you know spend your money wisely because exactly yeah yeah we always san francisco we'll be there next we'll be in san francisco every year so next year we'll be san francisco then victoria and then we'll be running ours awesome um what does uh so what do you think the future holds for Misty in the Canadian Kettlebell Alliance? I mean, you know, five, ten years down the line, how how involved are do you plan on being? Well, hopefully, I'm not lifting because I tell you, it's really hard to lift and coach and then run a competition. Like I, I have to lift. I don't get a buy. I'm lifting. I'm lifting the 16 snatch. Okay, I'm going amateur because I can't put the time into the 24, but. I don't want to. I don't want to have to lift and coach and run the and run the run the the the, the competition. It's going to be very stressful. So I would like to just be coaching at that time and have um, really developing um, the athletes in five years, and then you know having a solid packed. I I envisioned myself around the ice chamber. They were my. They were kind of like my something to look up to. Stephen and what he's done. I would like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not very greedy. I don't need a thousand athletes, but it would be nice to have a few more and um, to have a really solid traveling team and uh, in-house team, recreational lifters, amateur lifters, professional lifters, and then coaching them and helping them, um, you know, get to whatever their goals are. And then for me, just traveling with the teams, coaching, maybe doing a little bit of lifting, but not be as involved in lifting as I am now. I think that would be phenomenal what's gonna it's moving in that direction and you know me and linda are working really hard to promote the sport in canada but to have a working moving website maybe travel around do some certifications i think that would be the ultimate goal and you know the a good five-year goal Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we'd all like to see that um I want to ask you a bit about the specialty events. I mean, we've got, we've had the, I guess the jerk relay for a while and that's something that I've seen done um, internationally as well. Um, But though I'm not sure how long the jerk relay itself has been around. I've seen chair press before. um, And so now we have this thing called the five minute set. And I was wondering if you see any limitations or advantages with the five, uh, the five minute set. There's good and bad to that. I think there's two, there's two sides to this. When they started ranking it, it was bad. You can't dilute the ranks because now, you know, if no one knows any different and they go, I'm a master of sport, I know what I'm doing, um, you're a master of sport in a five-minute set. So I, I think by ranking them the same, the same kind of these ranks anyways, 
I think it really dilutes it. I think the five-minute set on a good side doesn't intimidate people with those 10-minute sets. They're like, hold on, I'm not doing 10 minutes. Are you kidding? I'll never be able to do that. I think five minutes are great for people that are introduction into it, want to do speed work. But I think ranking it dilutes it. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing wrong with doing the the five minute sets. I think it's they have fun. They go really fast. They can get you know you can do records. I think it's great. But when you start putting ranks behind it, I think even ranks that uh because there's different organizations that have different standards, the ranks get diluted too because now everybody's a master of sport. Well, Senya had to do it with a twenty four snatch. I had to do with a 24 snatch, but I was only a CMS at the time. But now there's Masters of Sport with a 20. It's two different worlds. 20 and 24 are two different worlds. Just like the 32 is a different world for a man. But the men always have to do it with the 32 Masters of Sport. But the women have all these different numbers. So I think sometimes it can be really confusing to the brand new person that walks up and they start baffling with BS. Jiu-Jitsu has the same world. Yet they baffle. I'm a blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu. Well, there's a black belt down the street. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll go to the black belt. So I think th- those things are great because um, it's fun and it can introduce into people that maybe don't have the experience or want to slowly work up to those long 10-minute sets. I-, I think they're really good. I just don't think there should be a rank attached to it. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my first impression as well. And uh, I... I mean, I think that perhaps they unwittingly, you know, are putting a cap on people's um, athletic abilities when they take that 10-minute set and they chop it in half and say, well, you only have to do five minutes. And I realize that you can completely change the dynamic of the set by making it a sprint set, right? You could do that in a five-minute set as as compared to a 10-minute set, although I've seen some pretty wild uh, uh kettlebell sets in the in the in the 10 minute sets where uh i mean like fedor fugler for example doing like you know over 200 snatch with the 24 kg there's that one video where he did like i think he did that in like five minutes yeah but those are insane numbers um so yeah i I can see i can see maybe it it could be putting a, a a limit on people's um potential um and like going back to what you said it's I mean, we can say, okay, you only have to do five minutes, but I mean, what's wrong with signing up for the 10-minute set and doing the best you can, and if you are happen to be only as good as five minutes, you know, what's, what's so wrong with that? I mean, you can always keep pushing forward, Yeah. right? There's always that, that higher goal. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, too, I put the bell down earlier than 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, like, it's... It, it, 10 minutes is the ultimate goal, and I think that's the ultimate tester. But also with the sprint sets, when they start doing those rankings too, the reps change, right? I'm all about, I would rather, I for me on the platform, if I, even if I knew the, the reps or the judging wasn't as strong as some, I would not do crap reps. I'm really, I, I look at my sets and I'll tell you, that was crap. I can't believe I got that counted. That was crap. Because I take pride in that. You know why? It's Catherine embedded it into me. You fixate that bell, you have a good rep. Because I never want to be on YouTube <laughs> and say, I can't believe, you know, it's all over the place. There's some that are shaky, okay? But when it's uh, halfway up and halfway down, they're getting counted. I don't want to be that athlete. If you want, that's fine. I don't want to be that athlete. My guys, they know you do a good rep, 
or you don't. You, I don't want to see crap reps because it's pride. And I think mm-hmm. Catherine embedded that like all the time. You have to do a good rep. You know, don't don't accept a bad rep. And that's always the goal because if it's a good rep, it makes it easier. Absolutely, right. and that's exactly how, I, how I've seen it. And um, that's followed me in my training. Uh, you know, outside of kettlebells as well. I mean, you got to take pride in what you're doing. Um, because that's really also going to be a, a driving force behind you, um, improving your skill and your athletic ability and et cetera, et cetera. And, and at competitions, I always go up to, uh, the judges. If I see that they've, uh, given my, uh, my team members a no count, I always go up after I'm like, Hey, thanks for that. Because I need you in competition to keep my athletes honest, you know, yeah. with their reps. I love it. Um, you know, at West Coast, Linda nailed someone like three times in a row. It was awesome because everyone's sometimes afraid of it. She's like, they're crap. She's banging them. Nope. Nope. You know, and the, and the, and the athlete finally looked at their coach and the coach was like screaming, fix, you know, fix it, <laughs> you know, and I, and I admire that. And I'm like, did I get a couple of no reps in there? Good for you. I would never, I would never be upset at it because I, I take pride in it. And, you know, if it's a crap rep, it's a crap rep. Yeah. And we have to expect those crap reps because it's not easy, right? No. We're going to expect to, to, you know, not be able to lock it out all the way on, you know, our last few reps there. And, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, um, I think it's important for the judges not to be afraid to make those calls and to, uh, but to also be recognized for when they do. Yeah. Um, I want to take this last, these last few minutes here to talk to you about the topic of mental toughness, since we're, 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 we've kind of been touching on that already. Is this something in your experience that's, uh, you know, you're born with or it's learned? It can be learned. I, I, I think you can train it. There's so many good things out there. There's a lot of good material about it now. Oh. Um, it, it definitely can be learned. I think some people have it in naturally. I'm able to, I'm very, because I spent so many years in the military, I'm able to turn things off and I just, ooh, I'm, I'm a different breed and I know that. But I try to teach that to people. Like, I think it was, I'll tell you a story. I, I always tell my, my own athletes this about mental toughness. I started to panic a minute and a half into my first, 2010, I have Catherine off to my right, my coach, who's a world champion, first master sport in the United States. I have Laurie off to my left. And they're watching me. I have Jen Cord from Ice Chamber, a legend, on my – she's on my right. And we're at the same numbers. We're hitting at the same pace. So I'm competing now. We're in the same weight class for the 24-kilo bell. I start to panic at a minute and a half. No one can tell. My face is stone. I am panicking inside. I get the worst cotton mouth I could ever imagine. <laughs> and it feels like my lips are – I can't swallow. I am pure – panic but then all of a sudden this calm comes over me i says and i look at the clock and i see it's got two and a half minutes i'm starting to panic and all of a sudden i say to myself i can have a glass of water in seven minutes and it was on i lost it i got into my lifts i i became this calm and it looked like i was asleep when i was lifting inside i'm dying outside i'm (laughs) but I, i say that to my athletes i say you can lift you can have a drink of water in a minute keep lifting so it's amazing at the, when you're on the platform, if you've done all your preparation, it's mental at this game. And if you can find the triggers for you to kick yourself out of that, you start breathing funny and panicking, 
Anything is possible. If you've done all the training, it will happen. And I let everyone believe that through mental imaging, through, you know, there's a lot of great books out there on, on things that you can do. But I think a lot of it is, is preparation. If you train with distraction, you train when the clock doesn't work or when it kicks out, you train with noise, I think you can really prepare yourself for that toughness when it gets to the platform so you don't panic. Because basically I treat the day on the platform like another training day. It's no different. It's not a big workup day. I'm like, all right, let's go live so we can go have a hot dog afterwards. That's how I treat it. I'm very calm. And I get nervous. I still do. It's that 90-second mark. I, I, I'm like a trigger. 90 seconds, I panic. But I don't let, I don't let it win me over. I'm like, oh, heck, I'm done in two and a half minutes. I'm out of here. Yes! I don't think you're the only one in that respect. I, <laughs> I always find myself looking at the clock at a minute and a half. I'm like... Oh boy, because I'm one of those uh, those uh, eight minute snatchers. I I tend to always go down at eight minutes, and so you know a minute and a half in, you know I've only got a few more minutes left on that hand. And it's like it it, it feels like I've go- been going forever. But, but training, it's all about the preparation. Training is the noise. It's everything. So nothing throws you off the day of, because you want to be focused and and really just don't put too much pressure on yourself. Of course, we always do, but if you've been doing it in practice, there's no reason why you can't do it in front of a whole bunch of people. No reason whatsoever. But, but you know, if I haven't hit one, okay, I, I'm a freak of nature because I do a lot of P, PRs when I hit them because I always train up. I never train 10 minutes in practice. You'll never see me do a 10 minute set. Never. I always do eight because, again, Catherine, she really embedded a lot of wisdom into me. If I can do eight, I can do 10. That's my theory on life. So I always like to see what, you know, what kind of fun number I'm going to hit on the platform that day. But um, it's just you just treat it like another training day. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that and keep everything almost the same, you can lose because those, those mental nerves, all those little things will start busting into you. Like the music, um, something isn't right. You can't get the bell to chalk properly because we always travel. Like those things can really set you off and set your mental game completely off and you can get really nervous. So you got to train in every, you got to make those mock training to make your mental toughness going, well, I've trained before without my lifting shoes because I forgot them. I've trained without chalk. I've trained in every situation. So you know what? This is just another training day. I think that's really, really, really important. Um, You mentioned before that talent can only get you so far. And so we've touched on training as well and, and preparation leading up to a competition. Training and talent together can only get you so far. When does grit kind of make up the rest of you know, your success, whether it's within a set or whether it comes to consistency and you know, the consistency component of training? Like when you, you know, on days where you just you don't want to, but you have to do it anyways, you know, where does the grit come in? That's the mental toughness. <sighs> Where does the grit come in? It, honestly, I think, I think it gets on the platform in competition. It'll really make or break you. I've seen superstars in training. They get on the platform and <laughs> it, it's like epic fail. Epic fail. Some people just cannot keep it together at competition. It wasn't there I, with them when they walked, when they walked out, right? Yeah, you know, a lot of people look great in practice and then they get on the platform and they just die. You're like, 
wow, I saw you hit twice as number as that. I have been sick. I have been done. But I tell you, the day I show up, I'm relying on adrenaline to pump a few more reps on me. But I think grit, I think talent will only get you so far. I think for men, 28s and 32s. Women, it's the 24. You can have the greatest athletic ability. You can be, you can be tough. You can have talent. But I think the bell doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. The, you, for 10 minutes with a 32, are you even a 28? Are you kidding me for men? Wow. And for women, it's the 24. I used to be the 20, but now the 20, it's the 24 plus. It is, I'm a, I'm a talented athlete. I play a lot of different sports. I'm really, really in shape. I'm old, but I'm in shape. But I tell you, that 24 snatch kicks me every time. It sucks. So my, my strength can only get me so far. It will not get me over 100 reps. I can get really close to it on just pure guts and strength. But technique, I don't have the technique down to get over 100 reps. And I know that. And it's, I think it's really given me an eye-opener. And for people for, that are pushing through these, oh, I can blow through these 24s, watch them fold on the 32s. Mm-hmm. I think it's the grit is keeping with it and the talent. When you look at those bells and you, you know what? You win today or the bells, the bells don't lie. They don't. <laughs> it's and I think sometimes it's the number it's the bell weight and the technique so you don't get injured and um that you can perform without getting rips because I tell you you rip your hands and you're proud of that like some of the crossfit their hands all ripped they're excited Valori once said your technique sucks and he walked away like we <laughs> hands, I'm not kidding this happened we ripped the crap out of our hands and it was Ontario, it was hot, it was sweaty. I was like, oh, it's because my hands were wet. Bellari walked up to me and said, your technique sucks. And he walked away from me. Well, I guess it does. So if I cannot rip, there's my technique down for the day. So, you know, it's based on tech, you know, it's those weights and the technique. You won't rip on a 16, but you'll rip, you'll do the exact same te- technique on a 24. And you know, you'll rip. Yeah. Your technique's not there. That that's that's exactly the way I want to put it to my clients inside, but I never say it like that. <laughs> I do. I'm like, Argh. your technique sucks. I do. I tell them all the time, you suck. Oh, I hurt myself. Well, your technique, you should. You're not quite ready for that bell. Yeah. I want to lift that bell. Then go ahead, but you're you're gonna get hurt. I, I can't stop you, but you're gonna get hurt, or you're gonna rip the crap out of your hands. In in competition sets, I try to go cyborg mode too, um, and despite panicking at you know 90 seconds in. I thought I was the only one at 90. It's 90 like a, I can go, ah, 90. Okay, then I'm all right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, yeah, once you find that second win and you can just kind of ignore everything else and, and just do it. Um, but uh, so some people don't really know. I'll, I'll just kind of put on the blank face and uh-huh. just kind of do my thing. Um, but so the first time I, I, I snatched the 24, I, I did 111 reps. And so the next time I did that, I, I got like 130 something. And then uh, my best was like 141. Um, but I'll usually have kind of the same blank face, maybe not for the last minute, but uh, I'll look fairly calm and cool and collected. What people don't really know is the last 30 reps kill me. Yeah. Like everyone, I have to gut out. I yeah. at, at thirty reps out, I want to set the bell down. Yeah. And somehow I just I I keep going, even though I really really don't want to. Oh yeah. So. But yeah. that's a it's that, that dental right. I just look at the clock and go 
Okay, one more. Oh, no, I got one more. I got one more. One more. Okay, I got 30 seconds left. I can do four more. Okay, four more. The 30 seconds over. I think I got one more. So it's a game that you play, and it's who, how tough you are to keep telling yourself you got one more. And really, I won't do anything until the bell flies out of my hands. It's the art of self-persuasion. Yeah. I can do, I can do one more. I think I got, I got one more. Well, I so, think, yeah. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for uh, your accomplishment and your grit. I mean, you know, West Coast Classic 2015, 24 kg long cycle, 123 reps. That's a Canadian record, right? Yeah, it's, I was... The Sven, I call her Sveti. I love. She's so great. I think her rec, 129 is the record okay. ever. Then um, there's one more that's hit it. Jennifer Hintenberg from hit 121 at an AK. I only count the AK meets most of the time over in North America because of the we know the rep standards quite high. We the judging. Then I hit 123, and then Claire, not Claire Abby in Europe about a month after I hit 125 or 126. We're the only ones that ever hit over 120. It's so, incredible. I, I get mad at myself. I'm not really happy with that set because I put the bell down and I had 45 seconds left. So I'm really upset with myself at that. that you know, <laughs> I should be happy. I'm really mad at myself because I, I, had, I had a mental, had a mental bad, lots of stuff going on. No excuse. I put the bell down. But I know I can get better. Mm-hmm. So, well, the forty-five second, it, you know, the forty-five seconds left. When you when you when you see that and you and you remember that, and you think about that. I think people like us tend to see potential. Yeah, right. There's potential there. Yeah. Um, and uh, Las Vegas, 2014. You jerked the 28, didn't you? No, I long cycle the 28. Long that cycle. thing is so heavy. Long cycle, the 28. Jenna Bryan did too. We were amazingly two, and I dropped weight, so we'd be two different weight classes. Yeah, we uh, long cycled the 28. Sveti was the first one ever to do it at comp, did 28. And then no one's done it because that's like a crazy weight. And then I did it in Vegas, and Jenna Bryan did it in Vegas. You guys were turning heads that day, I tell you. I rem- oh, so heavy. I remember when it was done, and I snapped a photo of this. You guys just had a huge embrace after. It was so emotional. Oh, it's just, I did it. I, well, I didn't last. I lasted longer than I'd ever done. I did a PR that day. But man, the, the, the distraction in that place was crazy. We were the last flight of the day of sitting there for eight and a half, nine hours of that music and all those bodybuilders and the craziness that was going around us. Man, you know, we all pulled it together. It was it was amazing flight. I think Jen and Sveti were on the other right. It was amazing. We had Jen Cord, Sveti, Jenna, and then me. Like that's a powers flight, and and Jen and Sveti were going after her at the one twenty, that the twenty four kilo, and I think that's when Sveti hit one twenty nine. So somewhere around there, she had an amazing number. Mm-hmm. So big, that's a heavy twenty eight heavy, but it made my twenty four. I got the hang of the, the the quick dip, so I can get the speed that I need in the twenty four. That twenty eight gave the twenty four a whole new perspective. Now, <laughs> now, wasn't there a time, you know, once upon a time back in two thousand twelve, that you did a strong sport? You achieved a strong sport long cycle rank with a 32? Oh, it was 2010, yes. I did four minutes, and I did 32 reps, so 16 an arm. Holy cow. That was – I couldn't believe I did that. I was running on the high, I think, of the 24 mm-hmm. uh, from the, the, two, the, the, the master of sport and the win. I think it was on the high of that because <laughs> I'm like, that's a heavy bell. The, the 20, the 32. So yeah, we did, there was a strong sports sets in, um, 
and the WKC. So it was like strong sport ranks, and the 32 was the top. I know it was one under um, for the women. So, yes, I was the first one crazy enough to lift the 32 in competition for four minutes, two minutes an arm. I think that was actually a, a cool concept, the whole strong sport uh, ranking. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but it's, it's, it's redonkulous. Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, were you trembling under the bell when it, whenever it went overhead? Like, no, I, I felt actually really good. And it was funny because there was a guy doing the 32 beside me and I was ahead of him in numbers. And I think he looked over and started to panic and started to speed it up. So he got <laughs> me. Cause I remember looking over and the girls were like, you're faster than the guy. <laughs> and I looked over and I'm like, oh. so it was, it was kind of fun. I don't know if I'd ever do that again, but <laughs> um, I did want to do the 32. We'll see. I, you know, cause I know Sveti's done the 32. I think she did. I think she did 70, somewhere in the 70 numbers at a comp, which is outrageous. Holy moly. Oh yeah. But she hasn't gone to it again. So I think she's like, well, that's a heavy weight. Yeah. But you know, it's something fun to do something different. And um, it's all technique-based. It truly is. You know, yeah, you have to have a little bit of, you know, you have to have strength, but you have to have technique. Johnny, I, I can't remember the Russian guy, that 135-pounder that does double, double 32s. If he can do it, anyone can do it. Because he's 135, 140 pounds and has the jerk, real, jerk record and snatch record. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, isn't there an American? I think he's, his name is Paul White, and he's a pretty small guy. Yeah, he is small. He is Australian. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he physical physique culture, I think he, amazing lifter. He hit MS numbers in long cycle and biathlon last year at, at the West Coast in, in, in San Francisco. It was a feat in itself. It's incredible. Yeah. So. Um, well, you know what? Let's wrap things up now. I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, maybe we can, maybe you can impart a, a little bit more of your wisdom and, uh, maybe explain to our listeners how they can start building their own mental toughness and, and how they can, um, you know, for the sake of this podcast, how, how they can improve their kettlebell sport by building that mental toughness. Um, again, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to be tired. You're going to be sore, but you ain't going to die. It's 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. You don't do all that. The workup training is worse than what happens on the platform. Those horrible sets the weeks before, especially three to four weeks before, are horrible. You're going to fail at them. It's normal. It's only 10 minutes. If you did your workup training, just man, just yell, it's going to be 10 minutes. Mental, um, there's some really good books. Um, Seal, oh, Mark Devine. He has a really good book called uh, Seal, like his way of his military thinking. Uh, you read it, you do visual it visualizations um you know and that stuff works it sounds kind of hokey but the olympic athletes they all do it also so and i think anyone can do it you just have to be persistent like you said you know when you don't do well it's consistency it's all based on consistency you consistently do what your coach tells you to do you'll do that day you'll get you know like you're going to get really close to your goals and don't put too much pressure on yourself because seriously it's not the olympics and you ain't going to die that's Dublin. I ain't going to die. I'm going to do my best. And that's really, that's all I can ask for. If I get one rep more than what my training numbers were, it, if I don't win, that's okay. But I did better than I did yesterday. And that's all we can ask for ourselves as an athlete. And I think that's, uh, that's how I kind of look at it. So I don't beat Senya. Oh, well, I don't think I'd ever beat her, but did I do better than yesterday? Yeah. Well, then that's a good day then. 
<laughs> so, you know, I'm very relaxed, relaxed. You just got to, it's not the Olympics and you're not going to, you're not going to die. You're just going there to have fun and do your own personal best. And that's all you can ask for. You do anything, you know, it doesn't matter what your coach wants. It's your personal best. It's not the Olympics and you're not going to die. Words of, <laughs> yes. wor- words of wisdom and words to live by from Misty Shear, kettlebell sport aficionado. <laughs> Misty, this has been a real pleasure. Um, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and hopefully we can have you back again. And, uh, you know, I'm going to see you in July. That's awesome. I can't wait to see your lifters. Um, more information is coming out as we're starting to get ready for all of the you know, we're getting sponsors. We're getting more and more cool things that are going to happen. We've got a guy bringing in an arcade. Those are arcade games that have multiple games. We're going to have arcades running for everybody. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. We're going to have so much fun. I want to have a really good event to have the camaraderie of the Canadians. And, you know, and I think I think we're going to have it because there's going to be no egos. We're going to be blasting music. We've got big speakers. We're going to be raunching off that. We're going to have live stream, of course. Um so I really want everyone to have a good time and do their best. And that's what I'm really working at. So whoever wants to go to Dublin for amateurs, they're going to have the opportunity. And the professionals, we're going to have, for sure, Slava, Charlie, Catherine, and Renee as professionals. Lifting that I know confirmed right now. So and then we're going to have Ollie, junior lifter. He's 10 years, 11 years old. He's going to be doing double tens, man. That kid's a beast. I can't wait to watch him lift. I'm so excited about having junior lifters. So it's going to be a fun time. I want everyone to have a really good time, enjoy themselves, and do their best, and then let's keep moving forward. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, uh, that reminds me, what, uh, where can people find all this information? Uh, www.cka-sport.org. All right. Or the foundry, the, uh, www.foundrytraining.com, because everything's linking through that, through the kettlebells. So um, we have the website up, registration's up, all the information, the rules. I'm waiting on a confirmation about a little bit of rule tweaks we've been kind of hearing rumors about um, because I'm going to do some, we're going to do some videos because I really want to make sure everyone's very comfortable and if they have any questions, they can come to us Friday. We'll be setting up all week if you come early, you pop in the gym, Friday the gym gets torn apart, gets set up, and then we do the weigh-ins Friday night and any questions at all. And then Saturday we hit it. And of course, people can contact you directly if they need extra. Yeah, info. I've had lots of questions actually about do I have to qualify for the qualifier? I'm like, hell no, just come and lift. Um, <laughs> and then they ask about rules. So I'm I'm usually the one personally answering all the questions and sending them to the proper links. Okay, here's a link of this. Here's a link of this. And we're in the process of the video. We may have to do a reshoot for the rules. Just be, I just want to. I'm just getting a confirmation from Yuri. I really don't want any issues with the rules. I, I'd really be kind of upset with that. I want everyone to know that, that they're prepared. Well, that sounds good. Um, Misty, you're a pillar of the Canadian kettlebell community. I want to thank you again. And uh, I won't keep you any longer. I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. All right. I, just, I have my kettlebell set now to do. I'm really not happy about it. <laughs> oh, so I see. So you're just kind of postponing it a little bit. 9.30. 9.30 is my training time. So I got to hit the gym soon but so this is a great i love it i will put it everywhere we'll put it on the sport union your podcast i think it's great what you're doing we're so happy that we found you at west coast because i didn't know you guys you're in the naimo the naimo yes on the island as we call it but we're so excited there's another set to lifters so if there's anything we can do to help questions please you know where to find me i'll answer and get you to the right information anytime anything you need just just ask 
Perfect, perfect. And uh, we'll put the links uh, to the websites you mentioned in the description. And uh, anyone listening will know where to go. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Misty. You take okay. care. You too. Bye-bye. What a shop. Okay, let's get in. There we go. Are you there yet? Yeah, I'm Here. wondering. You know what? Let me just double check something. I'll be right okay. back with you. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. Stop Wi-Fi. You're fucking with my Wi-Fi. I know, right? Ah. It's a it's a valuable commodity right now. Yes. We're on short supply and high demand. Um. Okay, I need you to repeat everything you just okay. said. <laughs>